You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus who bounces off a one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, Nasa Chobi. Ooh, not a great day at the office for the Seahawks as they fall 37-3 to on the road to the Baltimore Ravens. And if we learned anything from Sunday, we learned that maybe the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in football because that was, wasn't really competitive, was not a close game, uh, didn't go the Seahawks' way. They kind of took a, a big beating down there in Baltimore. But to break this game down like we do every single week, we go inside the trenches with Ray Roberts. It's time to go inside the trenches with former Seahawk Ray Roberts. Big Ray, man. Uh, it was just one of those days, man. You know, it was a one-sided matchup from really from the second quarter on. I thought the Seahawks started well, at least defensively, kind of trading blows with the Ravens. But the Hawks were beating pretty much every statistical category. And, you know, after you have some time to think about it, sit on it for a day, what are your main takeaways from what you saw yesterday? And uh, is there anything positive you can take away from that game? Well, you know, the, the positive thing uh, that you can take away from the game is that you know that the things that you need to be better at, that you've already done those things before. So it's not like they have to go reinvent something that they haven't done or they have to go find some skill set that they haven't had or they have to go find an offense that uh, that they didn't have or defense they've never done before. All those things, they've been successful doing them. And so, you know, there's a lot of conversation going on today around uh, you know, like even like the identity of the offense, I don't think it's an identity thing. It's an execution thing. You know, if, if the if the line is given Gino enough time, he's going to complete the passes. If the, you know, a couple of times there's been some miscommunication on on uh, route, so that we've come up with interceptions. You know, on defense, you know, if the fits and and uh, uh, the way that we're playing the assignments on the defensive line, then we've they you've shown, seen where they've stopped the running game. You know, so it's not like. Uh, this is a moment of panic. This is just a moment in the season where there's kind of a little bit of a level set. And so you're okay. This, this is an elite team on both sides of the ball. This is kind of where we matched up, but here's some things that we could have done better. Here's maybe some things we need to consider, but there's nothing to panic about. Yeah, I'm with you, Ray. I think, um, you know, sometimes there are games like this. You, you combined um, personnel and execution in the perfect storm. And sometimes it gets out of hand. That's why I felt felt like it got out of hand. Um, when you're looking at the offensive line, I thought the Ravens did a good job with their stunts, man. I mean, is it as simple as just watching the film, drawing it up on a, on a scouting card and go out there and practicing these stunts? Cause I would assume other teams will try to do some similar things now. Yeah. You know, the thing with those line stunts, Mike, is that if the communication is off a little bit or, you know, sometimes even as players, we panic, right? So let's say I'm the guard and the, the, the defensive tackle has maybe gotten pressure over my outside shoulder a couple of times. So I'm going to be a little bit more uh, uh, aware of that. So the next time he rushes to the outside, I'm, I may overset to the outside. But then that's when they're running a game. So now he picks the tackle and then the defensive end wraps around and I'm too far committed to the defensive tackle to get back to the to get to the defensive end that's wrapping around. So sometimes it's a it's just a matter of going um, uh, trust your technique, trust your training, trust what you're doing so that you don't get yourself in those situations. Because leading up to this game, they had done a pretty good job of passing those games off, even with all the different guys going in and out of the lineup. But for whatever reason, 
the uh, the Ravens were able to capitalize on some of that. And that's kind of what they do, though. They they overwhelm people with their with the pressure that they bring. You know, so like two of their top, uh, you know, sack numbers come from their linebackers. So they, they blitz a lot. So you have to be in a lot of communication. They show a lot of different things on the line of scrimmage. So I think part of it was they're good at what they do. So you got to give them some credit. And then part of it is that, you know, I think maybe there, there may have been a little bit of panic in some of the players and trying to overcompensate for situations, you know, that, that were happening that didn't allow for those games to work better. Ray, you mentioned kind of all the shuffling we've had on the offensive line. This was the first time I think for a while, at least, or maybe all season that Phil Haynes, Stone Forsythe, Jason Peters were kind of all messing around on that right-hand side. So definitely a lot of continuity issues. Do you think that played a role at all into what happened on on Sunday? Or again, kind of like you just said, should we just chalk that up a little bit to, hey, the Seahawks have just played the number one and the number two ranked defense in the NFL? I think it's a combination of both. I don't think you can discount either one of them. But, uh, you know, it's, it takes a lot of um, – energy and focus and and all that stuff to, to play against the number one defense and then come back the next week and play against the number two defense and they're totally different types of defenses <laughs> you know the right. you know the, uh, the 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 browns kind of relied on their front forward to bring a lot of pressure whereas the ravens you know they bring pressure from all over whether it's off the slot or the linebackers or the games they're running on the inside so it's a totally different type of defense but then i also do think that uh maybe uh we were kind of all buying into that shuffling of players a little too much because you still have to have five guys that play as one. And, uh, and when you, when you have some kind of chink in the armor, you, it's gonna, it's gonna fall apart somewhere. You know, so you're only as strong as your weakest link. And so your weakest link can be a very good football player, like Stone Forsyth or, or, or Jason Peters. But the fact that you haven't had the reps with them, make it, uh, make it a, a little bit harder. And then Phil Haynes has been in and out, you know, in and out of the lineup. Uh, so, you know, sometimes when you've been out of the lineup, you just focus on yourself when you get back in and you're just trying to say, let me just make sure I'm right. And then sometimes that breaks down a little bit of the communication with the guys around you. So I think sometimes I think a little bit of all of that uh, was happening on Sunday. All right. So uh, you fly to Baltimore, um, get beat down. You're going to come back, make some corrections. You're still five and three first place in the NFC West. Um, how do you get back on track and get ready for this team, the commanders on Sunday? Well, I think the thing you have to be aware of, and, and this is what I really like about the Seahawks. And I, you know, we talked about this a little bit in the post game show, and it sounds like a lot of cliches and stuff, but they do a really good job of keeping things in perspective. They're not, they, I don't, if they had won this game, I don't think they would have been like up on cloud nine. And the fact that they lost, it doesn't mean that they're going to be digging their own graves already. And so they're, they're kind of keeping it in perspective. Everything that you want to accomplish is still right in front of you. You're still number one in the NFC West. You have a, a team that's coming in that if you get refocused and locked back in, let this stuff last until you know, midway through the day. So hopefully by, to, by now, I don't know when they have their meetings, this game is already behind them. You can start turning your attention to the commanders because they have enough talent. They're an NFL team that uh, and they have some weapons that can, uh, they can come in and beat you. So if you get refocused, get back to, to, to executing, not necessarily trying to find your identity, but just getting back to executing, this is a winnable game. You can get right back on track and then you'll be right back, you know, where you want to be. And so you can always look back and like could have, would have, should have, but you didn't. So like, here we are, we're in this situation. We're still in first place. Everything we want to accomplish is still in front of us. And you still have that gauntlet of the 49ers, uh, the Cowboys, the 49ers in Philadelphia coming up. So like you have to have yourself ready mentally to take that on when that part of the season comes up. And so that starts 
today with them getting past this game. That's what we talked to the big man, Big Ray. Appreciate your insight because you're right. I do need to keep this in perspective, and that's a good message. PSA to all the Seahawks fans that Bump was talking to you on the show all day today, thinking the sky is falling. You're still tied for first in the NFC West. The sky is not falling. As you said last night, the sky is still above us. It's still blue, all that good stuff. So, Ray, appreciate you. We will we'll chat with you later in the week. All right. Yes, sir. You guys have a good one. Peace. All right, let's get back into this matchup. Breaking it down, it was not fun. It was it was not fun on Sunday. What had happened? See what had happened at first. Was. <laughs> what happened was what had happened was on Hawk Talk. Bob, on paper, when we looked at this matchup, we talked about it. It was a good matchup between two division leaders who play, you know, have similar styles of football, at least aspire to be, right? Tough, physical, play good defense. And that's what the Seahawks had been doing as of late. Unfortunately, that's really not how it unfolded at all. The Seahawks received the opening kickoff and went three and out in the first possession. Should have converted on third down. Unfortunately, JSN kind of had a slight bobble, wasn't able to bring the catch in. Seahawks punt. The Ravens, though, on their opening drive, Seahawks returned the favor, forcing a three and out of their own. The next three possessions would end in punts for both teams. So while the offense wasn't going crazy yet, you felt good about the defense. They're slowing down Lamar Jackson, his top-ranked offense bump, but that's kind of where the game kind of started to get out of hand. Yeah, man, uh, Ravens get the ball. They go 12 plays, 81 yards, and Gus Edwards gets going, makes the score 7-0. to The Hawks weren't able to respond, man. Gino threw an interception. It was a miscommunication. I remember we were watching that, and we're like, we don't think Tyler Lockett has to play. Gino goes up to the line. He audibles, um, ends up tossing one up to Gino Stone. We didn't want to see that. He's leading the league in interceptions, and it was just all bad. But in the Seahawks, they would step up, man. Boy, Amafe, he sacked Lamar Jackson. He forced a fumble. He recovered it himself, and we're like, yo, we back in this. Let's go get it. So the Hawks get the football, but they wouldn't take advantage of the situation. They go three and out. Then the Ravens march down the field, 10 plays, 84 yards, ending with another guess, excuse me, guess, Gus Edwards touchdown. This made the score 14-0. 14-0 in most games, especially in the NFL, is not very much. Two-score game, that's easy. Against a team like the Ravens, 14 kind of feels like a lot. So the Seahawks do what they could. Very next possession, they get on the board. Jason Myers kicks a field goal, set up by a 50-yard bomb by DK Metcalf. So you're like, okay, we have some sign of life. The Seahawks are in this game. And this next sequence bump, this is what really I think the game wasn't over here, but this really put the Seahawks behind, man, because... Deflating. Yes, very deflating. 50 seconds left in the half. Trey Brown forces a fumble on Odo Beckham Jr., and now it's a you know it's a great play where he tackles him, but he doesn't touch the ground yet. Pokes the ball out. Anyway, the Seahawks get the ball back on the with the Ravens' forty three yard line. So you're thinking, okay, Seahawks get in the end zone. It's fourteen ten. They're right in this thing. At the very least, you're thinking, okay, get you know five or ten yards. We kick a field goal. Fourteen six going in the half. We're Gucci. Well, that's not what happened. The Seahawks took a penalty. Move backwards. Then Geno gets hit from behind, strip sack. The Ravens get the ball, and then they kick a field goal. So now you go in halftime, 17-3. to And bump, second half, all Ravens. All Ravens. They scored on every possession. That included some long plays in the run game. And the Hawks were never able to get anything going and lost by a final score of 37-3. to Ouch. Yeah, all bad. Uh, the Ravens had 29 first downs. The Hawks had six. Had more punts than first downs than uh, the Hawks were at one for 13 on third downs. They faced six to seven third and 10 pluses during that time. Um, 
The Ravens, they were six for 13 on third downs. A little better. The Ravens ran 75 plays and the Hawks ran 47 plays. The Ravens outgained the Seahawks 515 <laughs> on, to 151. They dominated time of possession, 40 minutes to 19. Um, just all bad. You know, there, there were plays where you felt like if this happens, then you could kind of change the identity of the game and, and get back in it. But when you're not converting on third downs, when you're turning the ball over, not getting points off of it, when you're allowing the team to run for almost 300 yards, it would have been 300 if they didn't take a knee at the end of the game. Uh, it was just, uh, just, just wasn't your day. You know, just wasn't your day. Yeah, man. And uh, in my failed college career, I, I played in a lot of games like that bump where <laughs> you got behind and then it's kind of a snowball effect and one bad thing happens and then another bad thing and another bad thing. And you start looking around, and you're like, damn, here we go again. Anyway, that's just a little trauma and PTSD coming up to the surface. Anyway, let's talk about some guys that made some plays. Playmakers. Touchdown, Seahawks! Playmakers. Show them what time it is! Holy catfish! Well, we'll start with one really positive note from Sunday, and that was Boye Mafe. He's been, gosh, he's been one of the best things on the Seahawks defense all season long. So consistent, six tackles. One sack, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery. And with that, he tied Michael Sinclair for a franchise record with a sack in six consecutive games. He could take over that record all by himself this weekend against the Commanders. But boys is playing good football, man. Um, it was hard defensively for a lot of those guys out there. Lamar Jackson, what that offense can do, they can just toy with you, man. You can, you know, frustrating is you can never get your hands on somebody. You can never de- deliver yeah. a huge blow. And boy, one of the few times he actually got to to Lamar and, and forced a fumble. Unfortunately, the Seahawks weren't able to recover. But love what we've been seeing from the second year player in Boye. Yeah, Boye has uh, been super consistent, man. Another guy has been consistent is Jordan Brooks. Eleven tackles, nine solo, one TFL, and one pass defended. Um, there was a moment where we thought he was hurt and it seemed like it was just a cramp. So thank goodness I prayed for you that night, Jordan, to make sure <laughs> everything was okay. Uh, Trey Brown also had three tackles, two solo, and had a forced fumble that we talked about. And we weren't able to get points off of that. But I thought Trey Brown did a good job being sticky on the back end and making some plays. Yeah, Trey continues to make plays. So I love that. There's a couple deep balls where he ran stride for stride with receivers. So love to see that at Trey. And then you got the rookie Jackson Smith and Jigba JSN, six receptions, 63 yards, career high in both yards and receptions, yards he tied his performance two weeks ago, I believe. So, yeah, I mean, not outrageous numbers, but those guys did a couple good things there. You want to continue to see guys like JSN just continue to build, continue to get receptions, get reps, and continue to try to build something positive moving on, bump, which kind of transitions us into the receiver roundup, and it's it's not going to be a long one. No, nah, not at all. But we'll start with the guy you just mentioned. Jay Sin had seven targets, six receptions for 63 yards along a 35. DK had one really big uh, reception towards the end of the half uh, for 50 yards. Tyler Lockett had three for 32. Kobe Parkinson had one for six. Charbonnet one for five. Ken Walker one for one in total. 13 receptions, 157 yards. Not great, Nass. Not great. Nope. It. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to say about it. I think these guys are way too talented and too good a football team. They're going to bounce back. Every team has games like this. I mean, the Chiefs lost to the Broncos last week, right? 
I mean, they scored like seven points. They're clearly one of the best teams in the NFL. Things happen. Seahawks caught the Ravens at a bad time. They'll get over it. But we talked about it earlier. One of the positive things from Sunday was Boye Mafe, and now is him getting to the quarterback, Lamar Jackson, for a strip sack. Second down and four. Hill now comes out of the backfield, lines up wide to the right side. A slot to the far side. Jackson steps up. Ball is stripped away. It's on the ground. The Seahawks are diving. Did they get there or not? Let's see. The Seahawks have the ball. I think it's Mafe at the bottom of the pile. As Lamar Jackson reared back to throw, his arm was grabbed. The ball came out, and Boye Mafe, who had to try to chase down Lamar Jackson a play or two ago, this time grabs the fumble, returns the favor, and now the Seahawks have the ball in terrific field position. Yeah, man. So, uh, Boye, it's just um, a simple one-on-one with the tackle. I got to try to bend this corner, man. What he does a good job of is uh, keeping the hands of the tackle off of him and then dipping his left shoulder and bending the corner. When you do that, that forces Lamar Jackson to step up in the pocket. All right, he is a righty. So, now Boye just... Slap him on the wrist, you know, like your teacher used to do to you back in school when you were a bad kid. Bam, slap on the wrist. That ball is loose. Not only does he get the sack, he gets the strip. He gets the recovery. He gets the trifecta. And this is just fun to watch this young man make plays every single week, man. Sometimes all it takes is just a little poke. Ball's out. Now the awareness to get down on it, man. Um, It's fun to watch, man. Boye is solidifying himself as one of the pillars in his defense. Yeah, no question. At this rate, I mean, he's going to have like 15 sacks because he's going to sack every game. So I'm all (laughs) for that. And the other cool thing about this too, Bump, if you look where Lamar's going, this is second and four. This is right after the interception by Geno Smith and whatnot. Obviously, the game does get out of hand, but this could have been a game-changing play. And the I believe it's a running back who's motioned out wide. He's going to be wide open. He's going to pick up this first down. Trey Brown is in a deep, deep quarter or deep third. I can't necessarily tell from this, not looking at all 22, but that's going to be a first down. He's going to be wide open. So boy, getting a good get off. And it's cool to see a drill that every single defensive lineman has done at any right. level of football. Ben in that corner. Sometimes he's got the big hula hoops out there and that's what you're doing that drill and getting the hands down. So boy is just the thing I love about him is he's putting different tools in his bag when it comes to his pass rush. He can bull rush you. He can get the outside in. He can swim you. He can do all that good stuff. So Lamar, or excuse me, Boye looking good. And it was one of the few things that we got to celebrate yesterday because the clock just ran out. A knee taken by Hundley. They're just going to let the clock wind down. Pete's not even going to bother taking that last time out. Hey, sometimes you just get beat. You know, and that's what happened on Sunday. And it got out of hand quickly, man. But the Ravens, that's a good football team. They did their thing. Uh, They dominated, like you mentioned, almost every statistical category, man. First downs, third downs, time of possession, total yards, rushing yards, uh, QB hits, whatever they wanted to do, they were able to do, man. And both sides, offense and defense, just didn't do enough to win. Um, But for context, the Seahawks have faced the league's number one and number two defenses the past two weeks. So, uh, you handle one, and you faced a better team on the road, at their house. Everything's clicking for them. And you take these L's. I mean, I remind people, I go, the Ravens are 7-2. and two. You know that, right? Like, they mm-hmm. lost some games as well. No one in this league is undefeated. There are going to be days like this. Um, unfortunately, it happened to the Hawks in a, in, a, in a game that we really wanted to see a couple things executed. Yeah, of course. We wanted to see them show the rest of the NFL how good they can be. That didn't happen on Sunday. They got beat. 
Pete said it. Everyone's talked about it. They just got beaten all fast as the game, and it's going to happen sometimes. They're still a good football team because the, the thing that's my saving grace is I think the Lions are a really good football team, and they got smickety-smacked by this same team. It was almost a <laughs> carbon copy. I think they lost 38-6. to It's Almost the same game happened. So sometimes you hit a team that's rolling, and the final score isn't indicative of the gap between both teams. But right now, on Sunday, the Ravens were better. The Hawks just kind of need to lick their wounds, bounce back, and they got to take down these commanders at home, dog. I mean, this is a really tough game. We've talked about it all year long on this podcast. They got the Niners. They got the Cowboys. Got the Niners. They got the Eagles. They have the Rams. They have all these games coming up. Got to take care of business. The good thing is the Seahawks, some of their losses recently have been to the AFC. That's not going to hurt them necessarily in playoff tiebreakers, all that kind of stuff. But seven of their last nine games were against the NFC, so it is time to start stacking wins. All right, well, next time you talk to me and Bump, we're going to be a lot more happy because we're talking about getting ready for a game against the Commanders. We'll break that down. Remember, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars. Otherwise, you can hear us anywhere, Seahawks.com, SiriusXM, or wherever you get your podcasts. Seahawks, take a big L, lose to the Ravens 37-3, but we'll be back with you on Wednesday to break down the Commanders.